Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. We've been in the States since Thursday night. We uh, came in late Thursday night, and uh, this is our first time ministering uh, in the States on this trip. We're here for about four weeks, then we go back to Turkey again, getting ready for our Holy Spirit Conference coming up the 1st of September. We're excited to have our main guest speaker this year to be none other than, drum roll, Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. And uh, I I just, we're getting response from all over the country, uh, the best response we've ever had. And I believe we're going to have a record-breaking number of people come in 18 years, consecutive years, that we've done this Holy Spirit Conference. Last year was the only one we had to eliminate because of the pandemic thing. Um, But of all the years we've had it, this has been the greatest turnout and response that we've ever had. And I'm I'm believing we're going to see a real move of God that first week of September as we come together in the name of Jesus right in the heart of Turkey. Hallelujah. We are making a statement in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. And uh, we're taken back what the enemy has stolen. Amen. I I believe that's my call. I believe that's why we're in Antioch, where really it started. Well, it was Jerusalem. Well, it was really Antioch, where the the church was launched from. Hallelujah. And those missionary journeys began. And so we're back there again. And I believe we're taking back what the enemy has stolen. And if you look at the numbers in the natural, Antioch, of all places, in, in Turkey itself, is one of the most unreached areas in the world today. Fewer numbers of believers per capita than any other nation in the world. And so where it began is kind of where it's going to end. Because that great harvest is coming in the name of Jesus. We've been fighting for that harvest for decades. We've been in Turkey for over 35 years. We started in Antioch about 35 years ago. And um, so we're seeing God's hand. We're seeing, you know, even recently as the enemy has tried to confuse things and mess things up, we're seeing God's hand in the midst of it. Hallelujah. Recently, a couple weeks ago at a prayer meeting, we had five Muslim guys show up in one of our prayer meetings of all times. And they were, you could see it on their faces. They'd never been in a church before in their life. And we're worshiping God, and the anointing is there. And they're like just astounded by what the atmosphere and what they were feeling. And they were just almost in tears. And as the Spirit of God was all over them, at the end, I gave an invitation to receive Christ. And all five of them prayed to receive Christ. And most people tell you it takes a long time of sowing and watering and sowing and watering before... You know, a a Muslim comes to Christ, but these guys, all five of them, hallelujah, it was exciting, man. And I believe we're going to see more and more and more of that. Amen. 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 About a month ago, we had um, a woman in our church who had battled cancer even like as much as two or three years ago, was on a deathbed, and God raised her up and healed her. Hallelujah. But recently, about a month ago, this thing came back, this ugly thing came back, and, and she was diagnosed with brain cancer. So they, she called us up. We, went, we prayed for her, laid hands on her. After that, she went and had another MRI done. And um, so then it takes a while to get the results and everything. Well, 
while we were in prayer meeting the following week, right in the middle of prayer meeting, she gets this text, and it's, there's no brain cancer. And I mean, she just starts jumping up and down and hollering. She could not stop. And then we couldn't either because we, we just started jumping with her. You know, it's like Amen. that Bible story. You know, when the guy got, he was jumping and dancing. Hallelujah. The man at the gate called beautiful, you know. And we, we just want to see more of that. I believe we're going to. More of the glory of God manifest on the people. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> continue to agree with us. We're so thankful for you allowing us to come here tonight to be with you and to be here with Pastor Rusty. And uh, so many, I've, I recognize several of you and some of you, I know you're supporting us on a regular basis and we're so thankful for that. And I want you to know that um, it's a real blessing. And I consider and I know it's a real partnership spiritually, too, as you guys have prayed for us. Hallelujah. And I, I just want to give you some food for thought, food for your prayer tonight. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit can only move when the Word of God goes forth. It, and it, and I, I, the Scripture says, pray that there will be an open door for the Word of God. Amen? And, and that's our big prayer request is the Word of God will find an open door. Hallelujah. Through the preaching, teaching, through um, printed materials. Uh, so... We've set out, we, we try to do a seminar every month in a different part of Turkey. And uh, there's nobody in Turkey that we're aware of that's taking this full gospel of, of faith and uh, identification of who we are in Christ and these important truths that are foundational to us that we've heard most of our lives. Nobody else I know of is getting that message out, but it's, it's life-changing. And so we're trying to do that through seminars in different places at least once a month. Pray for us for, to you know, have success in that and to have those right connections and to see the fruit of that. We have a prayer card, and um, if you want a prayer card to stick on your refrigerator, it has five key prayer requests for us that you can pray and declare over us. Amen? And one of them is about these monthly seminars that we do. Another area is the area of book distribution. God, a couple years back, put it strong in our hearts to get good faith-building books and get them translated as quick as possible. Books are awesome because books will go to places I'll never go to. Books will be there long after I'm gone. Amen? And so that book will just keep on preaching. Hallelujah. And these are just a few of the books we've done. Maybe some of you recognize the covers of these. Brother Hagen's book, uh, Being Led by the Spirit of God. This is the Turkish translation of that. Um, Mark Brzee's book, uh, The Guide Inside. Inside yeah. yeah. And then here's one, um, The Triumphant Church yeah. by Brother Hagen. Yeah. 350 some odd pages yeah. of awesome revelation knowledge. Glory to God. And then this one recently we did, He Gave Gifts Unto Men, teaching on the apostle, prophet, and pastor. Cho- very, in- I'm going into Turkish, I gotta be careful. <laughs> <laughs> And then most recently, we did this one. This is The Art of Prayer. It used to be called The Art of Intercession. Very good book. We're getting awesome responses from people on this book. It's so practical, so powerful. And, and uh, even things, I, I think there's things in here that we still haven't moved into yet fully about intercession. And so we're getting into that. And then just recently, I heard from our translator that He's finished translating the book by Mark Hankins called The Spirit of Faith. Powerful book, um, very provoking in faith. Um, 
And I believe at our Holy Spirit Conference, we're going to have it ready to distribute at our Holy Spirit Conference in just over a month. So uh, believe God with us that that will continue. I call the books uh, Sleeping Teachers, and here's why I do it. And I tell our people, I said, we're excited to get these sleeping teachers into every one of your homes. I said, but these sleeping teachers won't do you very much good until you wake them up. But when you wake them up, how do you wake them up? You pull it off the shelf, you open it up, and you start reading. And when you start reading, you're going to find that the Holy Spirit will be right there causing that word to come alive in your heart and help you grow in your spiritual walk. Hallelujah. And so I tell them now, wake up the teachers. Wake up the spiritual, these teachers so you'll grow spiritually. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I got a lot out of reading. I mean, I, my faith has been helped a lot through reading good faith-building books. Yeah. Amen? Yes. And, so, and I encourage you to read. Reading is good. It, and, you know, he gave gifts unto men. Well, you know, here's these gifts in written form. And yeah. so, Amen. you know, feed on it. It's, it's for our blessing. Amen? Yeah. And it won't help, though, until we wake them up. Uh, the, um, another area um, is our church itself. I believe um, many churches have been rocked through this, these recent two years with all the stuff that's been happening in the world and stuff. But I also believe there's another side to it where eyes have been opened. And things. I, I think we find more hearts open t- to the gospel than ever before. We're, yeah. we're sitting down and having discussions with people we never thought we would. I mean, it's just... Our neighbor, uh, a guy who runs a business right next to our coffee house, which we have on the front of our church as sort of a cover-up and a way of reaching people as well. The guy right next door to us, we witnessed to him pretty openly a couple times. And recently, he was so frustrated, he said to me, I'm tired of being a Muslim. I want to be a Christian. Can you help me? I mean, he just said it straight out like that, you know. (laughs) I said, I, I think we can help you. <laughs> but there's that kind of frustration that has caused people to seek truth, to yeah. seek the light, you know. And that's what we're there to bring them. Amen? And uh, together, you know, that's what we do. Hallelujah. We're, we're bringing the people the light that will set them free. Amen? Amen. Uh, the building I live in, is, is they're all relatives. We're the only ones that are adopted. And we're finding, you know, as we're getting together with them, and and they're asking us questions, you know. And especially the young people are totally amazed. It's like we've never heard anything like this before, you know. And so these kind of doors are opening, and I believe we're going to see a harvest. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. So believe God with us. Uh, Again, these cards, I encourage you to get these cards to pray for us. There's a little QR code down in the corner. If you point your camera at it and your phone, it'll give you a web link right away that you can touch and donate and help support us. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, Tonight, I wanted to share a quick word with you. I hope it's quick anyway. Um, But it's something very dear to my heart. And it's it's really about my own spiritual walk and my own spiritual growth. I'd like you to look at Matthew eleven twelve with me. It says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. 
The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is within you. The, a kingdom is where a king reigns. A king rules. Amen? And that's God's plan. That He would take up rule and reign in the hearts and lives of men and women. Amen? But when that happens, the day that happens, the day you're born again, and that kingdom comes, hallelujah, that's when the battle begins. The war begins. And there's resistance because of that kingdom that comes. That's why he talks about it suffers violence and the violent take it by force. But as that violence, as that resistance comes against us, it does something. It has the potential of thrusting us deeper and causing us to grow even stronger in the love of God, which is so important. If, listen to me, we make the right choices. We've got to be making the right choices. Look at Mark chapter 14 with me. I'm going to start at verse 27. Tonight, I just want to share with us about growing and being perfected in our love for Christ. In Mark 14, verse 27... Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Wow. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. You'd have thought Peter would have left it at that, right? But no, no. But he spoke even more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. You see, Peter wanted to show he was loyal to Jesus, even if it meant death. But the strength of desire was not enough to keep that desire or to fulfill that desire. And and, and I want us to see that. Peter, he later realizes that the fear in his heart was stronger than his love for Jesus. And Peter ends up doing the very thing he promised Jesus he would never do. After Jesus' resurrection... He appears to Peter and he asks them this question, do you love me? Three times. We're all aware of this story. But you know, language is a funny thing. Sometimes we're saying a word, in English we have the word hot. In Spanish you have two words. One is for temperature hot and the other is for spicy hot. And sometimes it's important you know the difference. (laughs) You know, You say something's hot, well, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And same is true with the word love in the the Bible, in in the New Testament. There are at least three words used for the word love, and they all have slight different meaning, and it's important we know. Even though it's translated love here every time in the English, it's not the same word in the original language. And, I, and I, I really believe there's something we can learn from this. In this situation, especially with Peter. You have to imagine, Peter, after he fails 
Jesus, after he, he does the thing he said he would never do. He, here he is. He, he, he flees. He runs away. He's weeping. And then he ends up back doing what he was doing before he met Jesus. And he's discouraged. And then Jesus appears to him. Jesus comes to him. And then he asks him two times. And he uses the word the first two times. He uses the word agapao for love. Peter, do you agapao me? This word emphasizes action that's involved with love. Both times, Peter answers with the word phileo. Yes, I phileo you. No, do you agapao me? And Peter says, well, yeah, I, I phileo you. Phileo, that word is limited to the affections or feelings of love, but separate from actions. But the third time, Jesus asked Peter, do you phileo me? Jesus reduced the love in question to the level of affection rather than action. Peter answers in frustration again with the word phileo, meaning you know I have affection for you, Jesus. You know I have affection for you. By using this stronger word for, for love, the word ag agapao, Jesus was essentially, he was asking Peter, do you love me enough to lay down your own life for me? And this is, this is the point I'm getting to. Peter truthfully and humbly answers that his love was emotional, affectionate love. After what he had just gone through, after what he had just experienced and failing, he was not going to do it again. And he says, Lord, you know I phileo you. I affectionately love you. He recognized his own weakness, that his love was not strong enough to die for him. Then Jesus meets Peter where he was, and he asks, do you phileo me? And Peter, you know, he knew Peter was a broken man by this point, and not yet capable of agapao love. I believe... Honestly, I believe we grow, we grow up to this level of love, this kind of love. <clears throat> we can be perfected, we can be matured into this level of love. Jesus spoke this over Peter right away. In these next verses I want to read to you, it's in John chapter 21, it's the Passion Translation. I want you to hear what Jesus, this is so, so important, what Jesus says to him after the, this conversation. In verse 18, in verse 19, Jesus says, Peter, listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices and you went where you pleased. And I'm, I have to say, that's, that's where a lot are in the body of Christ today. You go, you make your own choices, you do what you please. But he says, one day, when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go. And you will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And then he said, and then he said, Peter, follow me. Follow me. You want to know how to grow up 
mature into this kind of love. Follow Him. Amen? Jesus was saying to Peter, you failed before in the strength of affectionate love, but there's coming a day when you will face your greatest fear and you will be victorious in the strength of perfected love. Amen? Amen. Beautiful. I remember a guy named Amir from Iran that we had led to Jesus and in Istanbul. And he had ended up going back to Iran. And it was found out that he had become a Christian. He lost his job. He couldn't find a job anywhere. He had married a girl. They had a baby. Um, but I remember one day, we were communicating all the time through text. And one day, the police came. They took him. And in the police station, they threatened him. And they asked him, did you become a Christian? And um, he said, I'm a Muslim. Well, they let him go. Immediately, he calls me on the phone. And he is weeping. And I mean, he's bawling. And he kept saying, I denied him. I denied him. I denied him. Can he forgive me? Will he forgive me? And I said to him, yes, brother. He'll forgive you. Just repent. He'll forgive you. He said, I will never deny him again. And it wasn't long after, probably a year or two, they came for him again. But this time, he said, I will not deny him. And they, for two weeks, they tortured him. He told me afterwards, he gave me details that I couldn't tell you publicly how they tortured him. And he said, but Larry, he said, the grace of God was so powerful on me. I didn't hardly feel a thing. Two weeks, they tortured him just because he would not deny Christ. <clears throat> Agapao is not born out of just the desire of it, for it. The Bible says it's this love that's been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's agapao love, Romans 5.5. 5. This love is not afraid to lay down its life for another. Amen? Amen? God will allow us to face repeatedly what we fear or what we're weak in until we are victorious. And when we come to the end of our strength, or our ability, let me tell you, there is where the power of God, the strength of Christ, we find. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> In this strength, we cannot fail. Amen? Amen? Because love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13.8 The strength to overcome this grace Paul learned by revelation. We read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Many of us are familiar. Paul's thorn in the flesh. Messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Why? Because of the abundance of revelation knowledge that was given him. How did this thorn in the flesh look? Many Christians today, even scholars, 
mistakenly interpret it and think it's, it was sickness or disease. Or, and it wasn't. It, it was exactly what Paul said it was. It was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Yeah. It was an unusual level of persecution that no one else faced that we know of yeah. in, the, in the Bible. Just to give you a, a, a clue of what he talked about, if you go back a chapter, chapter 11, let me just read a few verses of what he went through preaching the gospel. This is Paul the Apostle. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 27. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I remember not long ago a guy visiting me from uh, Madison, Wisconsin, who had been in Turkey years before I was even there. Think about it. I, was, I started in Antioch 35 years ago. He was there 10 years before that. And he said they came. There was a, three or four guys, and they would sleep during the day. And at nighttime, they would go out and put Bibles on doorsteps and in entrances of apartment complexes. Well, they got caught by the police. And he told me how they took him in, in Antioch where we are today, and they tortured him. And he told me one of the things they did is they took their shoes and socks off and they beat their feet with rods. And it wasn't pleasant. But, but it happened to Paul. It happened to Paul. And it happens today. <clears throat> he says, it goes on to say, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. So in the next chapter, we learn how intense this had become for Paul. And he goes to the Lord about it. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8, he says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, he might, that it might depart from me. I don't believe it was just, he didn't just say three times, Lord, take it away, Lord, take it away, Lord, take it away. I believe there were three, at least three seasons of, of prayer and of crying out to God. But look how the Lord answers him in the, in, the, in the next verse, verse 9. And he said to me, the Lord said to me, don't worry about anything, Paul. I'm going to take it away and you'll be okay. Is that what your Bible says? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace, my strength. You've got to get the parallel here. My grace is my strength. And it is made perfect in your weakness. In the heat of battle, that's not the time to ask God to take us out of the war. It's time. I've had people come to me and say, Brother, pray for me that I get a new job. Uh, they, they persecute me too much at this job. I don't know if that's the right thing. Maybe God wants you at that job. Maybe you're the only witness they'll ever see. Maybe you just need the grace of God to be able to endure it and to still be a witness and a light in that place. Amen, amen. Hello? Amen? It's time to pray for God's grace and strength so we may triumph. Amen? 
After Paul understands this, look at his response. Let's read again verse 9. Paul, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He didn't say when, when I am weak, he is strong. When I am weak, I am strong. What's he saying? He's saying when I come to the end of my capacity, my ability to deal with the situation, there, right there, at that point, the, the power of Christ rests upon me. I discover, I find the power of Christ. Hallelujah. Therefore, I rejoice. But what's the secret? The secret is boasting and rejoicing. Taking pleasure when things come. Wow, that's different. Amen? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. How many want the power of Christ to rest upon you? Then you need to do what Paul did. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus asked us today, just as he did his disciples so many centuries ago, are you able to drink from the same cup that I drink from? Matthew 20, verses 22 through 23. Look at these verses. Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. I want you to notice this, the cup, the cup, the cup he keeps talking about. Matthew 26, go a few chapters further. Matthew 26, verse 42, and again, a second time, he went away and prayed saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it. Your will be done. John 18, when they finally come to take Him, Jesus, to be crucified. John 18, verse 11, Peter takes out his sword. He's going to protect Jesus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? Every believer, every child of God in this room faces trials and frustrations in life. And most of them come in our relationships and interactions with other people. We've been tempted to defend ourselves, to defend our position. And we often allow these things to divide us and wound us. But God's best is that we surrender to His love in every disagreement, in every circumstance. We humble ourselves and we forgive, even if it's not reciprocal. And we again remind ourselves that it's not first about who's right and who's wrong, but what brings life versus what brings death. What produces life versus what produces death. How to manifest God's kingdom. That's what we should be seeking, to bring forth God's kingdom in every circumstance, in every situation. That has to be our goal. Amen? Amen. Yes. Philippians 1, 
Look at Paul. This is a later, a, a letter, a later letter. I can say that again. A later letter that he wrote. But and I want you to see how he's matured now in his writing. He's matured and been more perfected in his love. In verse 20, he says, According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says that Christ may be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It didn't matter to Paul whether he would magnify Christ in life or death. It only mattered that Christ was magnified. And he's never talking about death from sickness and disease, or to die in bondage to sin. Our heart, Our attitude must be, Lord, you be magnified. Have your way. But the devil will not have his. In Jesus' name. Paul, knowing he would face persecution and threats in every city, he pressed on. You remember? He feared no man. He shared with the elders the elders of Ephesus, he, he, he called them away. You remember? And he had this meeting with them in Acts 20. And he's, he's now aside with these elders, these leaders, and he's, he's pouring his heart out to them. In Acts 20, listen to what he says to them. Verse 22, And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Not the kind of prophetic word we all want to hear, you know, retype and put on our fridge. I remember back when we were ordained by Brother Hagen many, many years ago. And in that service, I don't know, probably there had to be at least 1,500, 2,000 people present. And we weren't the only ones being ordained that day, but... Brother Hagen did something I never saw him do before or since. Just before he would would lay hands on us, he did something very strange. I call it a prophetic act. He pulled a chair. He pulled a chair out. And he knelt down at that chair. And he began to cry out to God. And he began to say, God, I didn't know it was going to be this difficult. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. And he began to say things like that, and he began to weep and cry. And everybody's just sitting there like, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> really. And then, and I, we knew then our call was to Turkey. And he said, some of you here that are being ordained today, I hear you praying these words. And it so impacted me. I never forgot it. Is it worth it? Yeah. Oh, man. There's a Turkish family staying in our house right now. And the woman said, if I had a house like this and could live like this, I would never leave America. I said, well, it all depends on what you're living for. Yeah. 
what, you, what, what are you living for? Yeah, amen. At the end of your life, when you look back, and you say, what, what was my life worth? What did I spend it on? That's the question you need to ask. Yeah. That changes everything. And I don't want at the end to say, I just live my life for me. Right. And accruing goods and material things. I want to be able to say, their lives were changed. Yeah. Amen. Many are now on the path of eternal life in heaven. Because of what I did. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Because of the seed I sowed. Because of the words I spoke. Amen? Amen? But here's Paul. I don't know what awaits me. All I know is the Holy Spirit is saying in every place I go, chains, persecution. Yeah. <laughs> but listen to what he says in the next verse. I love this. Verse 24. Here's the mature man of God. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with sadness. No. With joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Yes, amen. Amen, amen. Paul's love for Jesus was greater than his love for his own life in his physical body. The secret to finishing your race, lay down your life and take up Christ. It's really living out what I call my favorite verse in the Bible, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer Larry who lives. And the life that I now live in this flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Amen? Hallelujah. Sometimes it means laying down what's comfortable and picking up what's uncomfortable. The cross. I love how Peter gives it straight to us. Listen to this. 1 Peter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Listen to the next verse. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. This is what we're talking about. This is for all of us. This ain't just for preachers. Every child of God sitting in this room. Let me read it again, verse 2. And he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Wow. We're not talking about the traditional idea of suffering, accepting illness or poverty as if they were given to us by God to teach us or something else. No. Or even suffering that comes because of ignorance and unruly or ungodly behavior in our lives. We're not talking about that kind of suffering. We're talking about that, that violence or that resistance, that suffering comes because of your choice to do the right thing, to live for Jesus and let His kingdom come and let His kingdom really rule your heart, your life. Amen? The suffering Peter speaks of is that resistance that every believer faces 
in his own flesh. You know, there's a lot of pressure from this world to go one way when the Word of God is telling us to go another way. Amen. And we've got to make that right choice. Amen? Amen? It's not merely to say, I will lose my physical life for Him, but where I will accept the death of my own life and desires, let Him alone be glorified. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You know, I love the way the Apostle John says they overcame Satan in Revelation 12, verse 11. He says they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. I want to encourage everyone not to be discouraged because of the stuff that you go through. Sometimes we do the things we promised Him we would never do. But don't let this hurt your faith or your relationship with God. Like when Jesus told Peter, Satan wants to... He wants to sift you like wheat. I don't even know exactly what that means, but it don't sound good. <laughs> the devil wants to take us out. He wants to stop us, plain and simple. But Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. And that's my prayer for you tonight. That no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're in going through right now, that your faith would not fail. That yet, in spite of it, you would grow even stronger in your love with God, in your love for God. Amen? Amen. I could not stand here and tell you that I could do this or boldly face that in my own strength or ability because I couldn't. But I know that when I need it, I'll have it. Amen? Amen. And I'm ready. Amen? Amen. And you could be ready too. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Can I pray for you? Hallelujah. You know, you may not face, you know, a radical Muslim who wants to cut your head off. But you might face other things. Uh, you know, unforgiveness. Uh, somebody you feel like that loves you, deceived you, or betrayed you. But there's always this choice going on inside of us. We need to be making the right choice. Our focus has to be on what brings life. Manifesting His kingdom. Amen? Hallelujah. I believe God is preparing the people that His glory can rest upon. The same glory Isaiah talked about that we would see in this day that would draw nations to Him. Amen? Amen. That would draw leaders. Kings would be drawn to that glory. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the kind of people He's preparing right now. Are you that people? Yes. I believe you are. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, I thank You. For this word tonight. I thank you that the seed is in us. Hallelujah. That your desire, God, is that we mature, become perfected in this love. Hallelujah. Father, I speak it over every person hearing me tonight here. In the name of Jesus. That we will make the right choices. Hallelujah. 
that we will love agapao you, Father, that we'll grow into that in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what comes in our days, no matter what comes to us personally, you're greater. Hallelujah. Your love, your power, your grace is stronger. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that every heart would turn in those times to you and know that we can boast, that we can rejoice. Hallelujah. Even in the midst of the most horrible betrayal or wrong, we can still rejoice and boast in you. Hallelujah. And know that in that moment, the power of Christ is ours and it can rest upon. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father, tonight. Thank you for the mighty call, the high call that's on every single one of us in this place. Hallelujah. It's a high call. We recognize it and we accept it. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgallison.com.